Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. You ready to get into God's Word today? Excited to get in God's Word today. And so we're continuing our series um, on relationships. And um, we're, we're uh, on part three of this relationship survival guide. And uh, I've enjoyed the last couple weeks of sharing on relationships. And first week we talked about love and, and uh, how love uh, makes an impact. You got to pack love in there. And so I'm excited today. We're going to talk about the difference maker and, uh, this week. And last week we talked about expectations. Any of you go out of here going, mercy, mercy, mercy. I got lots to review. When it comes to expectations, like you set the bar so high that nobody can ever achieve it. And so you looked at your expectations. And, uh, and so this week we're going to look at the difference maker in our relationships. And um, I've got my little survival guide. And uh, we've been going through that. If you've not had a chance to check out the messages, go back. I'll explain a little bit more in detail the kind of the, the baseline to it. And so I heard this story about this little boy that was playing baseball, and there was a guy, he was driving home from, from work one day, and he stopped to watch a little uh, local Little League baseball game that was being played in the park right near his home. And so as he's on his way home, he stops by, and he sat down behind the bench on the first baseline. Anybody like baseball? I'm a baseball guy. I love baseball. And so some are like, well, it's boring. You're, boring. You're probably the one that likes to watch golf. Talk about Boring. It's fun to play, but to watch is a nightmare. Anyway, um, and so anyway, he, uh, he, he stops by, he sits behind first base line, and he asked one of the boys that was sitting there, and these are little guys, he asked one of the boys, he says, well, what's the score? And the little boy looked at him and said, well, we're behind 14 to nothing. And uh, he, he, he answered with a smile to this, 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 uh, to this gentleman, like, hey, it's, we're, we're losing, and he's happy about it. He, he's like, hey, we're losing 14 to nothing. And the, and the guy says, really? He said, really, you're losing 14 to nothing? He says, I have to say, you don't look very discouraged losing 14 to nothing. He said, discouraged? He said, ain't got nobody, ain't got nobody time for discouragement. He said, the boy answered with a puzzled look on his face. He said, why should I be discouraged? Well, the guy says, well, you're down 14 to nothing. But the little boy says, sir, we ain't batted yet. Come on, somebody. We haven't batted yet. Now, how many know that's a good attitude? That's a good attitude. And I really believe the difference maker in relationships is your attitude. Right? It's like that little boy, like we're, we, we, we feel lose, like we're losing. But man, the little boy, man, just bring this, that mentality. I love what John Maxwell says. He says this. He says, the greatest day in your life and mine is when we take total responsibility for our attitude that's the day you know you truly grew up, is when you take responsibility for your attitude. Whenever, William James put it this way, I'm just going to read you a few quotes. It says, whenever you're in conflict with somebody, there is one factor that can make the difference between damaging your relationship and deepening it. The factor is attitude. Our life, and when it comes to relationships, a lot of us have a skewed attitude. We have a skewed perspective when it comes to our relationships. John Maxwell also said it this way. He says, it's easy to have a great attitude when things are going our way. 
It's when difficult challenges arise before us that attitude becomes the difference maker. See, because in our relationship, our attitude is that. It's our difference maker. What is an attitude? An attitude is this. It's an inward feeling expressed by an outward action. So we can tell how you're ha- what's happening on the inside based on how you act on the outside. And a lot of you, maybe you think, well, you know, what's attitude really have to do with? Listen, some of you just need to stop giving everybody a piece of your mind. Your relationships are struggling because you're always the one that comes into, you're in, these, you're in a relationship and you just got a bad attitude. You know, there's one thing I hate is, is just being around people that have bad attitudes because they suck the life out of you. And uh, how many know I'd rather be around an optimistic than a pessimistic? I'd rather be around somebody that's positive with a positive attitude. You know, there's been times where I've been in groups and we've been out to dinner and, and I'd listen to a wife tear the husband down in front of other people. You got to back. <laughs> She's like, well, that's it. Everybody pay attention to that. Ugh. But the point is this, is attitude is everything. They say that attitude determines your altitude. Did you know that, that on an airplane, literally when they go to land an airplane, it's, it's, it has to do with their attitude? That it's, it's a real term in flying planes, whether your nose is up or your nose is down determines how hard you hit the ground. And so if your attitude's, if your attitude's bad and not at the right angle, you're going to smash into the ground. So the goal of the pilot is to get the attitude in the right direction so they can land the plane safely. That's, that's what life is about. If we're going to navigate relationships, it has to do with our ability to have the right attitude. Healthy people understand that the right attitude and the right atmosphere create right relationships. And here's the thing you have to understand about your attitude is you always get to choose it. That little boy could have chose the attitude of we're terrible. But he's like, no, we haven't batted yet. And some of you need to start to change your demeanor because you're like, the, you're like the children of you're like the 10 spies in the book of Numbers. These cats, there was 12 spies to go and spy out the land. Joshua, came, Joshua and Caleb came back and said, hey, we're well able to take the land. But then there's 10 going, we're just grasshoppers in their sight. It's about attitude. Because attitude is a reflection of your perspective. See, in relationships, if you have a bad relationships, a lot of time it has to do with perspective. Listen, you always get to choose your attitude. Our attitude determines how we approach life. Some of you get up on Monday and like, oh, dear Lord, it's Monday. Why don't you get up on Monday and say, this is an opportunity for God to move in my life. This is an opportunity for God to reach people through me. This is an opportunity for God to bless me. This is an opportunity for me to fulfill my purpose. Not, oh, dear God, it's Monday again. As if you're surprised. It's coming. Oh, it's Monday. No, it's about attitude. Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond. The last couple years, we've had an opportunity to determine how we respond 
to life, how we respond to culture, how we respond in relationships. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. 1 Corinthians 13, these characteristics of love that we talked about in week one, has everything to do with our attitude. Philippians 2.5 says it this way. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. The word mindset is the word attitude. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same attitude Jesus would have in your relationships. Because he understands in this passage in, in, uh, in Philippians, he's telling us that your attitude is the difference maker. Whether they're successful or whether there's failure in your relationship, it has everything to do with your attitude. What if you got up tomorrow and said, he really can change? Like, I'm not saying you go to him and say, you're jacked up, you really can change. But I'm saying your mentality, your attitude, something different. Think about this. What if you took on the form of a servant instead of wanting to be served all the time? See, because that's attitude. And I'm going to show you how Jesus' mindset operates in relationships. I'm going to show you what destroys them based on your attitude and what builds your relationship. What's the mindset of Jesus when it comes to relationships? Number one is this. Selfishness destroys relationships. Selfishness destroys relationships. James 3.16 says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition. In other words, you have an ulterior motive and it's about you. He says, There you find disorder in every evil practice. Listen to me. Marriages today. Marriages that struggle, struggle because somebody along the line, two people became selfish. He be, because here's what he said. He says, there's disorder and there's evil. There's an evil practice. In other words, you have disorder in your relationships because you're selfish. Again, it goes back to last week. We're feeding upon relationships to tell us who we really are when our worth and value should come from our Heavenly Father. So selfishness destroys them. Selflessness builds them. Selflessness builds them. The person, according to Galatians 6, 8, says this, the person who plants selfish, uh, selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. In other words, number one attitude of Jesus when it comes to relationships, when it comes to our ability to operate in relationships is selflessness. So think about your selfishness factor today. How are you doing in the area of selfishness and selflessness? Number two, pride destroys relationships. Pride is a mask to a lot of stuff. Pride is a mask to fear. Pride is a mask to insecurity. Pride is a mask to anger. Pride is this mask that we wear, and it destroys relationships. Proverbs says it this way. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride will destroy a person. A proud attitude leads to ruin. 
See, there's this, this, this mentality and this attitude that we walk around with. Nothing could, nothing could ever happen to me. Nothing could ever happen to me. Or we have this attitude, the pride factor is that I'm above someone. I have this I'm better than mentality. Someone would call that arrogance. I call it pride. You want to be, and here's the root of pride. You ready for this? You want to be your own God. See, you want to dictate. See, pride, here we go. I felt the flow right there on that one. You want to be your own God, and, we, and what we have to understand, the thing that got Satan kicked out of heaven was not just his desire to be like God. It was to take the role of God. It was to take God's place, and it was pride that got him kicked out of heaven. So the point is this morning is that you have a decision to make. Do you want the relationships in your life to be filled with Satan? <laughs> Some of you are like, yes, have you met my friends? They look like him. Or do you want it to be filled with the life of God? We have a decision to make in our relationships. Do we want God filled? So then pride destroys relationship. Humility builds them. Humility builds them. You know, when you get married, the vows that you take is really a symbolic nature. This is not just so you can get a certificate and you're married in the state of Ohio. That don't matter, right? What matters is, is you're taking a vow between you and another person that is between you and God. And when you vow, here's, here's kind of how I, when I do a wedding, these are kind of some of my vows. Everything that I have and all that I am, I give to you. Other side, everything that I have and all that I am, I give to you. Two years into it, are we still saying everything I have and everything that I am, I give to you? Why? Because we have to understand that those vows alone speak of humility. Do you realize that the acknowledgement of your weakness is a good thing? Have you ever said to your spouse or somebody else in your relationship with where you have revealed a weakness to them? Do you know that we think in our society that we're supposed to just hold on to the weaknesses and present this prideful front that we got everything together? That's wrong. The Bible tells us that we're to humble ourselves. Galatians says it this way, or Philippians says, uh, Philippians 2, 3 says, when you do things, do not let selfishness or pride be your guide. Instead, be humble and give more honor to others than to yourselves. Here's how you know you're prideful. When somebody else is celebrated around you, it bothers you. Oh, oh you see somebody on Facebook and they got a raise and you're like, oh, God bless them. Amen, they got a raise. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, and you're like trying to, you know, you're trying to bless them. Amen. But your heart's far from it. You're blessing them all right. It just, you ain't blessing them. There, <laughs> there's something in there that, that starts, to, starts to mess with you. He says, he says this in Philippians 2, 5, and 6 in the Living Bible. says, your attitude should be the kind that, has, that, that was shown, uh, shown us by Jesus Christ. He, uh, who, though he was God, listen, did not demand and cling to his rights as God. In other words, he humbled himself to take upon himself the form of a servant. 
He showed us the picture. He said, here's what pride does. It destroys you, and a proud attitude leads to ruin. Some of you want to fix your marriage. Guess how you fix it? Humble yourself first under the mighty hand of God. See, you want to fix the spouse. You want to fix this over here. You can't fix this if vertical's wrong with you. Well, if she would just do this and clean the house and do the dishes, take out the trash, blah, 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 blah. Listen to me, man. She's only supposed to you follow you as you're submitted to Christ. That's what the scripture says. So how submitted to Christ are you? Listen to me. I've, there, a, a woman will naturally fall into that place of submission with her husband whenever the husband is submitted to God. And if you're not submitted to God, maybe the reason your marriage is in disorder is because you're prideful and you need to humble yourself. Amen. Welcome to Real Life Church this morning. Right? But a lot of times we're always like, how can we fix this person? God didn't intend you to fix them. (laughs) God wants you to humble yourself before him and let him fix you. You become a better you in the presence of God than trying to fix yourself or trying to fix others. Your wife will come along with you when you start to submit yourself to your heavenly father. Humble yourself. Ladies, humble yourself. Humble yourself before the mighty. Well, I mean, how much? Just humble yourself before God. Give, allow the Lord to do something in your heart. Listen to me. Some of you need to give space for your husband to humble himself. Some of you try to take the reins of your family, and you're 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 a little bit out of order because you're strong-willed. I'm the female. I'm going. Oh, I know. I'm treading on tough water right here. But you need to relax a little bit. Give him some space. Dudes take a while. We take a while to get stuff. You know that? Even when it comes to our relationship with God, it doesn't happen overnight. So give dudes space. Give him a little space. And allow the Lord to speak him. If there's anything you can do for your husband that's going to make a difference, it's not to criticize him. It's not to put him down. It's to pray that the man has an encounter with Jesus. Amen. That's humility. That's humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. Number three is insecurity destroys relationships. Insecurity, we talked about this. Insecurity destroys relationships. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of human opinion disables. See, relationships struggle today because you live in that place of insecurity. You care what everybody else thinks. Now, I'm not saying you be obnoxious and be like, I don't give a rip what anybody thinks about me. I don't care. I'm going to be rude. No, no, that's not love. Now, come on back over here, buddy. What, what it is, though, is God's telling us in his, in his scripture, in Proverbs 29, 25, that the fear of human opinion disables. Insecurity destroys relationships. Insecurity will, will uh, cause you to live in a dark place for a long time. See, because I really believe security is kind of, it's a silent killer. That it it covers a lot of stuff. It keeps you in the dark. And because you fear man and don't fear God, you can never be transparent with man. Therefore, you can't be honest about how you're feeling. You can't be honest in relationships because you care so much about what that other person thinks. Instead of learning to humble yourself and be honest in that relationship because the goal is a healthy, restored, awesome relationship. That's the goal. Well, if that's the goal, then guess what? You're going to have to work on your insecurities. 
Maybe they came from your childhood. Maybe people put those into your life. There's some people, listen, look, some of you don't, can't step into the realm of how God wants to use you in maybe even leadership because you're so insecure about what others think. God wants you to know this morning that insecurity destroys relationship, but love builds them. Love builds relationships. 1 John 4, 8 says this, love has no fear. Listen to me this morning. If you're operating in fear in your relationships, that's not love. If somebody is creating fear in you, in your home, outside of your home, that's not love. That's not God. Love says this, love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it shows that his love has not been perfected in us. In other words, we're fearful to be transparent. If you're fearful to be transparent, understand that's not love. Actually, you don't love the other person enough, right? You think that you're protecting them from something when in reality, you keeping it a secret is damaging the relationship more than you being transparent and overcoming your insecurity. If you really love somebody, you'll be transparent with them. Amen? And so he says this, he says, he says this, he says uh, in, in 1 John 4, uh, 15, 17, you jump up before the verse I just read, it says, all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, not that he has love. God's not trying to get love. Not, God's not trying to work up love for you. It says it's his very nature. It is love. It is who he is. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So in other words, it's not just that you said a prayer one day that you're a Christian. Amen for that. But listen to what he says. He says the indicator of whether God lives in you has everything to do with how you love others. He says, he says and all who live in love live in God. You live in love, you live in God. You, you, you walk with God and God lives in you and God moves through you. And I really believe this is what society needs. We need a love movement. I'm talking about a Jesus love. I'm talking about an agape kind of love movement in the church. And here's what he says. He says, and, and he says um, in verse, um, oh, verse number 17, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Or mature is the word perfect. He says, as we live in God, so every day, every day we're living in God and we're taking our cues from God, the love, starts to, the love starts to mature in us so the things that used to hurt you don't hurt you no more. Because your love is maturing because it's coming from God. And then he says, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence. You know you're gonna face the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords one day. And he says, your ability to face him with confidence, it says this, because we live like Jesus here in this world. God is love. And when we love others, we love God. When we allow God to love us and move through, love builds our relationships. Number four, expectations destroy relationships. We talked about this last week. Colossians 3.2 says this, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. When, you're, when your expectation is, again, we talked about this, when, when expectations are high and reality is low, it creates 
Come on, schoolmates. Expectations are high. Reality is low. What's in the middle? Huh? I can't hear you. Pain, disappointment. Have I been so long with you? It was just a week ago. Well, I need to do a better job. So the middle is disappointment and tension. God wants us to understand today that if our expectations continue to to be so high that the reality of life cannot get in there, then all of a sudden it starts to destroy our relationships. What's the opposite? What builds them? Gratitude. Gratitude builds our relationships. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's God's will for you in your relationships, whether they're good, bad, or ugly? He says, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. Not when the circumstances is right. Not when you have everything going correctly. Not when everything is peachy. But give thanks in all circumstances. Gratitude builds relationships. And number five is this, and I'm going to close with this, is resentment destroys relationships. Resentment destroys relationships. Job 5.2 says this, to worry yourself to death with resentment is a foolish, senseless thing to do. When you resent somebody, and you walk around in unforgiveness, and and you walk around in this resentment mentality, it's going to destroy your relationships. Because resentment is holding on to the things that God requires us to let go of. See, resentment is those things where you, 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 the, the Bible says we keep no record of wrong. Resentment keeps records. Resentment keeps records. And if, if, if God is going to do something supernaturally in your relationship, some of you, the opposite today is this. Forgiveness builds them. Forgiveness builds the relationships. So if resentment destroys them, forgiveness builds them. Colossians 3.13 says this. Make allowance for each other's faults. Make allowance. Give room, here we go, make room for somebody else's fault is what the scripture says. So forgiveness is don't allow, don't, don't think people are supposed to live in this place without mistakes and failure. Because if you want perfection in your relationships, here's what you're going to have to do. You ready? Look at your neighbor and say this word with me. Die. <laughs> Because relationships are never going to be perfect. There has to be allow- allowance for failure. There has to be allowance for, uh, for, for each other's faults. And forgive everyone who offends you. Woo, offense. See, offense is, a, is the bait on a trap. How many of you have ever had mouse, uh, mousey or a mice in your house? Micey, What? It's the bait. It's the trap. You set the trap, the mouse gets in, kaka, breaks his neck, he's done. Right? When we, were in, when we were in Peru, we used peanut butter as our bait. Because the rats in Peru, they're like kitty cats. They're that big. 
So in order for me to um, really um, sleep at night, I had to put a, a bait out, and that was peanut butter. Amen. We didn't kill them. The natives kill them. They cook them. They kill them and cook them. Nasty. The point is, is a lot of times we think offense is a trap. Offense leads to the trap. Offense is the bait. When you take the bait off the trap, all of a sudden what you don't see is what's coming behind you. That little mousey, he's like, the, the cheese. He gone. Do you realize that's what happens when you hang on to offense? That there's this hidden demonic force that destroys your life and your relationships when you hang on to offense. See, because he tells us this in Scripture in Colossians. He says, forgive anyone who offends you. Have you ever been offended in the last couple years? Sure, everybody has. We've had an opportunity to be offended. Remember, he says, remember the Lord forgave you, so we must forgive others. I know this is an easy concept to say, but it's a tough concept to live. How the Lord has forgiven you is how you forgive others. Well, God can forgive me because he's God, but he's telling you that his nature is in you. His nature is in you, and you're a born-again Christian, and all of a sudden now, the nature of God is on the inside of you, and that nature oozes with forgiveness. Titus says it this way, and I'll close with this verse before we pray. Titus 3 says this, As at, at one time we too were foolish. We were disobedient. We were deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. He says, this is how you used to be. Then he says this in verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared. He says, while you were this way, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we have done. Let's stop right there for a minute. If God doesn't do that with us, why do we do that with others? I will forgive them when they do certain things. Jesus didn't do that with you. He didn't say, get your deal together, buddy. Get all your ducks in a row and then come to me. That's not what he said. He said, bring your mess to me and I will forgive your mess and I will take your mess and turn it into a purpose is what he said. See, because what we have to understand today is he says, he says, but he saved us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. You have nothing to do with forgiveness. And if you think you do, you're not forgiven. If you think you can earn it, you're not forgiven. If you think it's something of good behavior, you're not forgiven. Here's what he says. He says, but because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth. We were born again by the renewal, by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. See, relationships need forgiveness. Forgiveness builds them. Resentment destroys them. What are you holding on to that God's asking you to let go of? 
Because even though it might be silent, it drives a wedge in there spiritually between you and your spouse or between you and a in a relationship, a friendship. If there's resentment that's being held on to you, then that relationship will not have the opportunity to be restored if you're hanging on to resentment. So the question this morning, when it comes to relationships, what are you hanging on to that God wants you to let go of? What is it that God wants you to forgive in somebody else's life? What is it as you look at the magnitude of how you've been forgiven, how does God want you to forgive others? Let's close our eyes this morning, bow our heads. Father, I pray for each person in this room today. Whatever they're experiencing in their life, God, we know that today we learned that the attitude is the difference maker. And Lord, there's a mindset that you have for us that these five things, Lord God, that you want us to, to get into our life are five things, Lord, that, that uh, is, is your demeanor and your character. You want us to be selfless. You want us to live in humility. You want us to walk in love. And you want us to forgive. You want us to live in that place of gratitude for all circumstances. And so, Father, today, there are those in this room maybe that have never made you the Lord of their life. We know it starts there. That as we read just a minute ago in your word, Lord, you said that while we were sinners, you died for us. Lord, I pray today that, Lord, wherever we need to surrender, Lord, if there's those in this room that have walked away from you and they wonder why things in their life aren't going right, it's because their vertical nature is off. And so I pray today that you move upon every heart in this room, Lord God, we come against those things that would hold them back from making a decision today to say yes to you. So if you're in this place and you say, Pastor, you're watching online, you say, Pastor, I need to come back to God. I need to make a decision to say yes to Jesus today. If you're in the room, would you just raise up your hand? I want to pray for you today. Just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. Yep, I see your hand. Who else? Anybody else say, I want to, I want to, make, I want to pray today. If you're online today, type the word yes in the comments today. So for those of you that raised your hand this morning, we're gonna say a prayer. We're not done. I wanna say a prayer, and then I wanna ask a question to the entire church after we pray this prayer. Can we all pray this together with this person that said they wanna say yes to Christ? Say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I come to you a sinner in need of a Savior. I ask you to rescue me. I ask you to make me a new creature. Today I trust, come into my heart, make me brand new. Old things pass away and all things become new. Thank you for dying for me and raising for me. And I believe you today, be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we give that person a big hand clap? The Lord is good. Come on, the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices over those that say yes. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.